What, what does yeah. that mean to you? I actually meant to point at the next one. Oh, uh, but yes. well, <laughs> I hope I get fired for that blunder. Hey, Matt. Hey, Mike. Want to do a podcast? Yes. Sweet. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're doing it. it it's. It will be done soon. <laughs> Welcome to Hacking the Grepson. Um, it's great to be doing another podcast. I think this is number 35. Did you think that we would make it to episode 35? Be honest, Matt. No. Okay. No, I will not be honest. <laughs> yes, I thought no. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, I'm genuinely surprised that we had this much to talk about. Yeah, and, uh, th- and that we haven't imploded due to uh, yeah. personal insecurities or something. And to our listener, hello. Yes. Hi, Mom. <laughs> uh, so today... Because the last time we talked, we talked about a really heavy subject, um, software ethics. Uh, I figured this week, go a little lighter. There's an article uh, that we want to go over called Uncovering Your Code's House. Now, Matt, you came to this article in some way when you were doing something. So I'm curious, why did you come around this article and why did you want to delve into it? So my the bulk of my career has been doing software architecture Mm. and I've always been interested in how software is architected and how it's put together and different ways of thinking about problem solving and all that. So I was having a discussion with somebody online. I genuinely don't remember who, um, it wasn't me. Wasn't, I think it may have been on Reddit actually. So it wasn't a discussion. It was probably an argument then, um, (laughs) with anonymous or it was, or it was a work slack. It was one or the other. Um, and, uh, we were, talking about i think i was specifically talking about object-oriented programming versus functional programming Mm -hmm. and like why object-oriented programming has fallen out of style blah 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 uh which will be an interesting podcast topic at some point in the future Mm -hmm. um and they got on the topic of code ownership and like just different ways that code might be organized and they use the analogy of a house and then pointed me at this article ah wonderful which i then shared with you and now we're sharing with you lovely listeners yes um yeah, so I, I, I read through this uh, article, and it and it basically looks at, like, a code base and tries to fit it to the model of these different kinds of houses to kind of better describe what kind of code base it is. So I figured we would just, let's just go through the article and uh, go to each of the types of houses and see what, uh, I forget who wrote this article. Their name is Elya, E-L-Y-A. I'm sure I'm butchering that, but uh, what type of house is your code in? So the first type of house they talk about is a haunted house. They say, It was built many, many years ago. It was once a glamorous place to code. Each developer felt proud of having their name on the contributor list of the Git repo. But since ownership changed over and over, the new owner may have had too many systems to maintain, so they left this one unattended. The last time its code changed was months, if not years ago. No one dares to change any line of code within. At most, they're okay to add a patch here and there on a needed basis. From the outside, you can still see it's structurally decent, but no one wants to go inside. Officially, there's an owner to it, but in reality, no one owns it. It just rots Further. I really love that that last line. I, I'm I'm imagining a code base that's been around since the beginning of a company, mm-hmm. and it's just decades have gone by, and it's just creepy. And if you touch like a wall, it might just disintegrate. And it's full of those comments that say like, "I don't know why this works, 
but don't change it because yeah. it breaks everything. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I've definitely worked on that on that code base. I would say I am probably the owner of one of these code bases right now, and I'm very happy because we're in the process of deprecating it, making it go away. Ah, uh, so you're you're bulldozing yes. the haunted house down. Yeah. Okay. I think this is a very, very common type of house to have your code in. I mean, to be honest, it feels like is this not the inevitability? of any code ha- of any code base if it is gone if it goes on long enough like this is commonly what it ends up as commonly yes i don't think it's inevitable as long okay. as you're being uh proactive about maintaining your code and keeping it in a maintainable fashion refactoring occasionally mm-hmm. which undoubtedly is the specific thing i was talking about when they sent me this article uh because i'm a big fan of refactoring take care of that technical debt <laughs> yes uh then this... then you can avoid the haunted house yeah Otherwise, you need the bulldozer or the Ghostbusters, right. one or the other. So this is basically the house built on technical debt. Yeah. It's okay. not spaghetti code. No. It's, hey, we had a plan. You know, maybe you're using observables in JavaScript because that was a big thing, you know, a few years back. Mm-hmm. And then someone realized, oh, wait, observables are terrible and we should never use them because they make it really hard to maintain this. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Or, you know, any out- outdated code uh, language would also do that i think if you're programming in Perl, chances are good yeah if you didn't port that at some point in time right you got a haunted house <laughs> all right so that's the first house what's the next one next house is not a house that doesn't uh, sound like a house it's supposed to be a prototype it was built quickly as a proof of concept the user interface looks pretty decent and has all the functionalities but we know if we poke it parts will collapse that sounds familiar mm. it is not built for stress tests and its functionality is not production ready Many corner cases aren't thought of, aren't thought of. The wind and water will bring it down like a sandcastle. <laughs> At times, it may seem temporarily usable, like a tent, but it won't last for long. It doesn't scale and is not extensible. There's no foundation. The business owner asked us to ship it, but we know once it ships, it won't be sustainable. Don't give in. Build proper foundations. So, is this basically the new Bing AI chat? <laughs> uh maybe actually okay. uh it's definitely not uncommon in the industry to have the product people say no no we need to ship this and the engineers be like uh it's not ready yeah and they say but it works no it looks like it works that's why you never build a real gooey first <laughs> <laughs> i mean is this like an mvp that goes to production I would say it's worse than that because an MVP, by definition, is supposed to be viable. Mm. That's the V, in which case you're supposed to be able to add on to it and be able to keep, you know, make it better, add the functionality. But it's supposed to have a solid foundation. Mm -hmm. This is – I used to give a a talk quarterly at work uh, as part of our planning. And one of the things I talked about frequently actually used a tent as an analogy Mm -hmm. when talking about code runway. And it was – how how you really you want to lay the foundations of things and I'm mixing metaphors here, mm-hmm. but I I drew the analogy of you could build an outhouse and then build a house onto that or you could do this or you could build or you could set up a tent real quick and dig a hole in the ground mm-hmm. and one of those is a prototype which is the tent and the hole mm-hmm. it was like yeah you could live here and one of them has some structure to it if you built a one bedroom house. And then continue to add on to that house, that could be stable. Mm-hmm. That's more like an MVP. If you dig a hole, <laughs> it's not and, a house. And set a and set a tent up next to it, you are never going to turn that into a house. Ah, oh. 
This reminds me a lot of that. Yes, I and like that. Most code I've worked on, honestly, has fallen under this of the like, hey, we came up with this cool prototype. Check it out. Right. Ship it. <laughs> and then you're stuck with it for life. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm able to pee into that into that hole. Like, yeah. what's wrong with it? Yeah. Uh, okay. The next one is the Longhouse. Uh, there's a type of house on the island of Borneo called the Longhouse. The entire village lives inside. And on the article, you can see this picture of this very, very long house. As uh, an introvert, I hate this. <laughs> yes. Yes. There are no clear partitions or boundaries separating the residents. It's all one big family. Imagine a one room, very long house. This can happen with code too. Some code is stored in the same repo. Everything got thrown into that repo with no clear boundaries. The main owner may be a lead, just like the head of the village. Since there's no boundaries, there's no clear code structure within. Any of the code can be anywhere. It's hard to follow. There are some arbitrary boundaries, but no real concrete ones. Also, there may be unspoken virtual boundaries that depend on mutual understanding by everyone, but there's no safety net to prevent trespassing on different parts of the code. As developers come and go, those boundaries are all mixed up. Now, traditionally, for a small project, this may be okay, but it shouldn't be scaled in modern architecture. We have longhouses today in modern society, i.e. terrace houses, but they have clear boundaries with walls and clear ownership of which house belongs to who. Our code bases should have the same. So apparently a terrace house is kind of like a townhouse. I have never heard the term terrace house I before. haven't either, so, so I'm not really familiar. But, I mean, just looking at the picture of the long house of, like, essentially, I, you know, it looks like um, like a mobile home, yeah. except super long. Yeah. It's basically the open office format. Yeah, like for your code. For your code, yeah. Instead yeah. of everybody sitting with no walls, you get to live with no walls. And in this case, you get to code with no walls. It's a mono repo. Yeah. That is done poorly. You right. can build a mono repo that is structurally sound and has got clear dividing lines and I guess is the what they call it terrace houses. Mm-hmm. But every mono repo I've ever worked in or seen uh, is, is not that. It very much is the longhouse. Right. Well, and and when I think of this, I just think of like the 500 line scripts.js <laughs> uh, spaghetti code thing. It's like. Uh, it's the it's the opposite of object oriented programming. Yeah. It is just one long file with all of the functionality, and multiple people may have like, oh, we need a new function for that, so they just kind of shove it in between the other functions, yeah. and every function is butting up against every other function. So it's like, the longer you go, the longer the house gets, the more unma- unmaintainable and understandable the code is. That's interesting. I was thinking about it from a repository perspective, mm-hmm. but you were thinking about specifically a piece of code, and both of those absolutely work for this. Yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah, the utilities class, right? Yes. It, that people build, which is a violation of what object-oriented programming is supposed to be. Right. It's like, I don't know, I just need a place to put all these things. Right. That's this. Yeah, and and I will admit, as I've admitted many times on the podcast, that because so much of the coding I do is like a one-person personal project, I fall prey to the longhouse a lot. Uh, but I've never had a, you know, a a, for, a a house structure to put it around, and now it, it really puts it in stark uh, relief to see it that way. So anyway, next house. All right, the next house is the nonsensical house. Great um, picture for this one. There's by the a way. picture. I don't know what that is, but my guess is it's the uh, the Winchester Mystery That's House. That's exactly what I was thinking, yeah. yes. Uh, it looks like that. It's just stuff built on top of itself, like yes. nonsensically, as yes. the name suggests. So what it says about this. <clears throat> the house above might be one of the craziest houses I have ever seen. Its foundation is strong, but the higher structure is junk. 
Each layer gets crazier and more unsustainable as it goes up. It's rare for a house, probably only one of a billion houses, to be built like this, but that's common in many code bases. When the project started, everything was carefully planned and architected. But as we built feature upon feature, there's no time for refactoring. We need to build and release it. It's like Sprint 1, Sprint 2, Sprint 3, release, release, release. The refactor can wait another day that never arrives. It's like what the folks below are doing. And you've got some, you got two men uh, building a brick wall. And uh, at the bottom, it looks like a normal brick wall where the bricks are all parallel to each other. And as it goes up, they just get all out of whack. Mm-hmm. It says, just keep coding. We can always fix it later. Um, sometimes we intend to architect well, but we have multiple architectural ideas competing against one another. There's no clear indication of which one is better. Hence, we may end up with both architect with both architectures within one code base. And then there's a picture. It says a few architects on one software, and you've got just some weird stuff stairs. going on with some stairs there. Yeah. Uh, it may look decent from a quick look at it, but it is technically confusing, impractical, and results in poor performance. If each architecture is applied to different code bases, each would work perfectly, but some can't be combined. This saying is so true, two cooks spoil the soup. I, I've only heard that too many cooks spoil the broth, not just two, but I guess it's just a variation on that. Either way, yeah. Um, this seems very similar to Haunted House to me. Yes. Uh, the Haunted House started out... I, th- I think the difference is this, the Haunted House, their analogy there... They're saying it's it was at one point good code, mm-hmm. and then due to uh, lack of ownership, it sort of just crumbled and dilapidated. So just like minimal maintenance, and so it started to fall apart. Mm-hmm. This seems like it's more, all right, we started with a good idea, and then maybe a new developer came in, and the old developer left, and the, and the new developer is like, this is a bad architecture. I'm going to put a new architecture in, but didn't fix the old architectures now you got both mm-hmm. yeah uh it, it also feels like uh one of those houses where uh you know maybe the original house had like beautiful wood flooring and then somebody said came came in and put carpet over it yeah. and then you buy it 100 years later and you're like oh this carpet needs to be cleaned actually it's not worth it. let's just rip it up and you rip it up and you see like the beautiful wood flooring yeah. um it, it also feels like um yeah, I mean, like competing ideas uh, do not do not make a sound structure, you know, together. And you really need to have better planning and and a and a cohesive vision. You know, it's almost like a like a movie that that goes through too many directors. Yeah, and they just keep putting stuff on top of each other until it's an incomprehensible mess. Yeah, uh, if we go back to the the improv as coding thing, mm-hmm. yes and right, agree to the <laughs> thing that came before it and add to it. Right, this is more of like a yes but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, That's cool, but I like this. Not to get too controversial, but the new Star Wars films, a lot of people <gasps> accuse that of having kind of this structure of like, the first one seemed to have a vision of what it wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Second one, different director, went a slightly different way. And then the third one was like, nope, throw that second one out mm-hmm. and do this other thing. Right. Um, and that, that seems very similar. I, I have this idea of like strata uh, of uh, like with rock yeah. um, that in in code and this is, seems very similar to that where you can almost like you can almost be in uh 
an archaeologist going through the code and say, oh, I can see when this owner was in charge. You can see, you can like read. Like carbon dating their yeah. contributions. You can, you can tell. You're yeah. like, ah, a new person came in for this layer. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, like, I mean, something as simple as like, you know, the the... The, the syntax of how functions are written. Yeah. Or uh, it started out uh, spaghetti code and then someone, instead of refactoring the whole thing, just plopped object-oriented onto it. And then someone else came in and said, no, 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 this all needs to be functional. And then they just start plopping functional on top of it. And then none of the code talks to each other, you know? Yeah, something I've done in the past as part of refactoring that can lead to this if you're not careful is refactoring a section of the code mm. so that it's isolated and encapsulated and you wrap it with an interface. You put the facade, mm -hmm. like you follow the facade pattern and put a facade in front of it. And then you can use that piece well, and like maybe the rest of your code's architected well for that, but everything behind that facade is garbage. <laughs> It's like no 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 that you know we we didn't accidentally uh, put a hole in the wall and you just put like a nice uh, curtain up in front of it and no one will notice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's the next house? Uh, houses with messy surroundings. Okay, this is not about the house itself. It's about its surroundings. They are either covered with bushy weeds or messy items that block the entrance. The house itself may be decent, but causes doubt when looking at the outside. Similarly, in our code base, a healthy code base doesn't just have great internal architecture and structure, but the build environment and code base are usually also well organized and maintained. The CI slash CD process is properly set up. It's even better because most of it is automated with proper documentation, etc. We don't want to mow our lawn every day, right? No, we buy an automatic automatic lawnmower. So what they're talking about here is it's not just about all the other kinds of like ways that we've tried to uh, abstract away what a code base looks like using a house metaphor, but also the way that uh, your code builds, the way your code is documented, the way your you know, the, 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 um, basically the, the, the curb appeal yeah. of your code, uh, also, uh, you know, adds to the overall structure and architecture of your code and can belie the internal structure by what the external structure Yeah, you could have like. an amazing house, um, and really desperately need a paint job on the outside. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that could do it. I have been doing, uh, DevOps type work for the last several years, mm -hmm. um, very focused on the CI/CD aspects of things. What, what is that again? Just so continuous integration mm -hmm. and continuous delivery or deployment, depending okay. on who you talk to. So continuous integration, typically what people mean when they say that is a developer checks in their code and uh, some vetting process happens. It builds the code, it tests the code, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, immediately upon a merge so that you know immediately that there's a problem or even better, it doesn't let you merge it before that or it backs it out or whatever. Right. Um, so you don't have problem after problem after problem. Continuous delivery or deployment is after all that goes through, it's then either already deployed into the cloud or wherever it goes and you just have to push a button to switch it over or it automatically gets released to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, both of those are great. Uh, CI is very common. CD, I think, is still very much an up-and-coming idea. I think it scares people to put Seems things into production. Seems a little risky, yeah. Uh, it is and it isn't. I it, mean, if you deploy to, like, a dev environment. Yeah. You know. So 
a, a lot of the CD practices are to do that. It okay. deploys, but it's not public. Right. You have to like flip a f- feature flag on, or right. you have to you have to do something. Right. Uh, that's much more common. But putting it into a deployable state where it can be used and tested in its actual environment, mm-hmm. maybe at a like with a a test URL to get to it or something, mm-hmm. yeah. is 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 much more common. Yeah. And that. All the stuff that was listed there, all the infrastructure that goes around coding is the stuff that most developers hate doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is 100% important to do all of it. Documentation, yeah. Yeah. Uh, CICD, proper build, readmes, all that stuff. Even just having your repo in a organized in a way where you can... You can figure out where things are. Yeah. All of those are so important, yeah, and so overlooked by most developers. Right. So, so to like bring it back around to this house metaphor, I mean, it's important, obviously, to have like, you know, good insulation, good, uh, you know, the the material that's used to build your house, that it's you know properly, uh, like it has blueprints and they're followed and they make sense and all that kind of stuff. But it also matters like i said the curb appeal what the paint job looks like what the driveway up to your house is you know whether it's easily findable on a map you know all that kind of stuff that like leads you into the code yeah is just as important as the code inside working i actually have a theory about why code often ends up in this kind of state that i think i can uh find an analogy quite easily with Mm. the houses okay which is uh i believe that the rapid turnover that is common in most software houses these days, you know, you don't tend to have people sticking around. Like I, I sit at my last job for 14 years. Mm-hmm. That's very uncommon in our industry. I think you also tend to stay at places for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people I know uh, will stay at a place for like two, three years and leave. And so my analogy for this for houses is renting versus buying, right? If you own a house you're much more likely to take care of mm-hmm. the outside of the house and cleaning it up and refactoring essentially and like taking care of things. Whereas if you're renting remodeling, perhaps yeah, remodeling <laughs> as we just did. Um, if you're renting, you're less likely to do that. You're like, I'm not, yeah, that's annoying that the doorbell doesn't work, but I can just put a sign on the doorbell that says knock instead. <laughs> and when I leave in six months, that's someone else's problem. That's just like the comment that says, you know, I don't know why this doesn't work, but don't touch it. Yes. You know, I love that analogy. That works really well. And I feel like, yeah, it, um, it's also kind of the difference between someone who starts a new job in a big, complicated code base that's already existing, i.e. you're moving into a mansion that has seen a bunch of owners, or you're starting your own business and you're a startup and you get to start everything from the ground floor, you are more likely to own and take care of that code than you are somebody else's code that you've just moved into. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a little wrap up at the end of this article called code is like a house. And it goes into what I would consider best practices Mm -hmm. based on this. I think people should go read the article to get that part (gasps) so that we don't, what a tease. uh, So we don't a hundred percent read the article (laughs) on our podcast. Um, but there's there's some good things in there. Uh, I will just read the first one because I so believe in this. Have a clear, solid architecture plan and foundation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any of those jump out to you as being super relevant? Uh, well, Matt is pointing out refactor every extension added to code. So does that mean that like basically any time you add something new to it, 
to the code, you need to refactor the rest of the code. What does that what, what does yeah. that mean to you? I actually meant to point at the next one. Uh, oh, but yes. Well, <laughs> I hope I get fired for that blunder. <laughs> oh, never leave too many tech debts. The longer they sit, the harder they'll be to pay off later. That man, Matt. That sounds so much like another episode of some podcast that I was a part of recently, but I can't think of what it was. Yeah. But they did a whole thing on tech debt. I don't know, but the, I, I hear the hosts of that podcast. Very good looking people. Very. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Uh, uh, but on the refactor every extension thing, since you asked, the way I would read that indirectly. is um, refactor as necessary when you add code. If it follows the architecture, you don't need to refactor. If it doesn't, mm. refactor, don't just slap something in there mm. and be like, I'll fix it later. Yeah. Don't That's, just copy and paste. Yeah. Like, uh, understand what you're adding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, well, I think that uh, wraps it up. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this episode of Hacking the Grepson, where we read 85% of an online <laughs> uh, blog post. Uh, but I think the metaphor of code being like a house is something that's relatable to even people who aren't developers because people understand what houses are. People understand that, you know, a... Uh, a house built on a good foundation is better than one that is slapped together from mud and yep. sticks. And just like houses, most people uh, most people can't afford them. Most people can't afford really good code. But you know what? You also can't afford not to have really good solid foundations. So, I just made a very reproachful <laughs> movement towards Matt for that for those words of wisdom. Yes. Uh, okay. Well, that wraps up this episode. Um, go to uh, hackingthegrepson.com for more episodes of this. Wonderful podcast with the good-looking hosts. And uh, for now, we return you to your regularly scheduled lives already in progress. 